Welcome to the Quack 12 Podcast, the most official, unofficial, Oregon Ducks podcast on the web footosphere. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Quack 12 Podcast or visit our website, quack12podcast.com. If you like what you hear, please leave us five stars on your listening device. And if you'd like to support the show, please visit the Quack 12 Patreon page, where for a measly $5 a month, you can become an official Quacky and unlock hundreds of hours of Oregon Duck content. On to the show. Quack. Quack. For this hate-filled episode, we had to get two very special, very knowledgeable guests. Well, of course, we got Hithliday of the wonderful Webfoot website, Addicted to Quack. Hithliday, how are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good because we've, once again, um, a podcast that even I, even I, this Duck fan right here, I listen to this just... Just because it's a good Pac-12 podcast, honestly, and and it's good to humble yourself, you know, <laughs> listen to your rival's podcast so you don't uh, get too full of yourself, and that is BT of the Dog Pod, at Dog Pod, D-A-W-G, of course, on Twitter. BT, how's it going? Glad to have you back. Yeah, good to be with you guys. A little, little more spring in my step this year than uh, than last yeah. time we, we talked, and uh, <laughs> looking forward to hosting you guys uh, October 14th in Husky Stadium. Ooh, yeah, that's gonna be intense. Yeah, it's we find it's always easier to get a Washington and an Oregon State fan the year after they've beaten us. Though they, you know, the responses are a lot quicker, ready to talk about. Oh, yeah. their team. A lot more talkative. That's right. Well, I mean, it's like 50 50 with Oregon State. It's been, you know, what, like four and 20 years for, for Washington. <laughs> like, this is sort of a rare experience for you. Yeah, you know, I guess that, you know, it always depends on the period you're, you're talking about. We have our streaks where it got ugly. And then, you know, we've had this like last little streak where, you know, it took obviously during the Jimmy Lake period. There's times when it's been hard of like, there's periods where it, you know, just didn't matter. We were getting our, our asses kicked by everyone, mm. you know, and, and that, you know, and, and it, like pick your team. We were on a, a giant losing streak and ones in which you guys okay. have been super hot and we've been down and when you guys have been just hotter than we've been but yeah i mean any like obviously you know beating a rival and road games like that are are super fun and you got to relish it and, and enjoy it well you got to be careful you're going to date yourself if you claim to remember the good times in this particular series oh dude i'm i'm old i'm old as hell buddy i've been watching you know i mean i've been going to games since before i can remember in the, in the 80s I'm, I'm an old cat uh you know who remembers and was in was in undergrad um you know, mid late nineties, um, have seen all the, the good times and the bad. Perfect timing. Yeah. That's great then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, as far as I'm aware, no, uh, coaching changes at all. I actually think, uh, uh, other than USC, Washington's the other only program in the PAC 12 to not make a single coaching change. So nothing to talk about there, not really expecting anything schematically particularly different. So let's just dive into the roster. Sure. Quarterback, uh, bring back uh, both uh, Michael Penix, the starter, and uh, Dylan Morris, the primary backup. Not really expecting any, you know, difference in the utilization uh, of those guys. It's a real volume passing uh, offense. Through sort of through coincidence, I, I wound up studying a, a lot of Kalen DeBoer's offenses because Oregon opened their 2021 season with Fresno State, right. uh, and, and and so you know I'd done a, and then you know they went on to play UCLA in that season, and so I wound up doing some 
close to like three seasons worth of study on Kalen DeBoer at this point. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with his his passing offense. Penix is a good fit for it. Um, I'm very glad that he stayed healthy. You know, that that had been like the big, you know, unfortunately, the big question mark um, in his career up until, you know, this point is like, oh, my God, can this guy, you know, make it through a full season? And he did. So, you know, great. Dylan Morris is a great backup to have, you know, like I, I might even go so far as to say, I think that he's the, you know, that Dylan Morris is the best backup quarterback in the Pac-12. I don't know, man. Like I, I really sort of don't have any questions about those two. I feel like they're pretty much known quantities uh, at this point. Do you have any, like, are there any wrinkles here that are not generally understood by the larger Pac-12 public uh, about those two quarterbacks? No, I, I think you're maybe, you know, he's one of the most experienced backups for sure. Yeah, um, and I, you know, I would, I would love to have at some point him, him get a chance to sort of redeem so many of those losses in the John Donovan era. Mm. Um, I think he's talented. He's a good kid. I'd love to see that. Yeah, I think there's excitement around some of the other guys coming in. You know, like Austin Mack, a few others. But it, it's also a thin room. You have three scholarship quarterbacks right now. Yeah, right. Uh, and so I don't know. There's like four different walk-ons in the room, but you yeah. know, with with Sam Heward going off to Cal Poly and right. Austin Mack coming in, but then Mack hasn't even arrived yet, right? Like he doesn't come in until the fall. No, yeah. Uh, so Mack Mack is in, wasn't in for spring ball, but he he, he is. He's like 17 year old who's who's going to be there for uh, for the summer. So you know, what I don't know how, what, how many reps he's going to get. Obviously, he's not expected to, to play, but. Tape looks good, but I don't know. Are there any other Pac-12 programs that have three scholarship quarterbacks? Uh, I don't know. The one thing that I sort of noticed about Washington's offense is, and and just Kalen DeBoer's offense in general, is that it's it's a buzzsaw between the 20s. Like, it's extremely hard to stop, especially with these wide receivers. But what defenses tried to do or at least the not brain dead defenses, which, hey, in the Pac-12, that's like only about half of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the not brain dead defenses were just like uh, the what you try to do is you slow them down. Don't let them score from outside the 20s and and just limit them to field goals uh, in the red zone. Mm-hmm. And because this the way that their passing offense is structured, it kind of, you know, you can get them to stall out, you know, in the red zone and, and kick field goals because, you know, and then, you know, just this passing offense doesn't really have great, you know, options um, for throwing it in the red zone, you know, unless they have, you know, tight ends to throw to in and the ability to pound it between, you know, the tackles, which were two things that I didn't exactly think that they had. Not that this was a referendum on the quarterbacks, though. It was sort of a referendum on on the other units on the team is sort of, you know, uh, am I making sense here? I didn't really think that was a Penix problem. I thought that was, uh, I didn't exactly think that they had the running backs that they needed. And I didn't think that they exactly had the tight ends that they needed in order to score in the red zone. And that that's why teams or defenses attempted the strategy that they were attempting. Does that line up with your observations, BT? Yeah, it could be, you know, there's maybe a downside of the scheme where when they're really good with a lot of open space and you, you can have, you know, two receivers crossing at multiple levels across the middle and, you know, yeah. something going to hitch on the outside, but you need or those depth. runaway routes, which are just like, you can't pull that. It's too compressed in the red zone for that's right. I mean, runaway need, routes. Yeah. You, I mean, it all, it, you know, his, the, that grub offense is all about getting those, those safeties to uh, make the wrong call, you know, make it, make a, yeah. make a tough choice and make the wrong call. And then you've got somebody deep or you've got somebody on an outside route and worst case scenario, you've got, you know, a running back 
uh, split off the side to dump off to and like that you need space for that so i don't know you know is it a scheme problem as much um i like some of our our tight ends i don't i don't think we have like the kate not in the world but um you know yeah. I, I love what westover does he hasn't played in the spring which is a, mm-hmm. a little concerning from being dinged up you know devon Culp. i mean shoot like six-year senior i think he's played 40 games for something um you know and and who knows i think there was some high hopes for the Cuevas kid that we got out of cal poly, cal poly and it's all tbd but so you know like i don't do we have like a lot of those nfl bound guys that they've had one a year for a couple of years i don't i don't know uh, but I, could, I think it could be more I mean, than personnel We'll we'll talk about those units when we get to those units. I, I just want to just while we're still on the quarterbacks, I don't think it's because Michael Penix doesn't know how to throw a touchdown pass right, in the red right. zone, right? Yeah. Like, okay. all right, let's uh, let's talk about the running backs. So losing uh, Wayne Talapapa, who was a better running back than I was expecting him to be, uh, did he surprise you too? Yeah, uh, the the pass pro stuff was what I really loved him. And, and that's an area where we've had some running backs who have struggled in that area. And it's obviously yeah. with the grub offense. It's so cool. Well, yeah, Bonifat always wanted to recruit these smaller, you know, guys. And then Talapapa comes in and like, I know he sort of looks smaller, but he plays bigger than he is, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, I would love to see him. I think he, he got a tryout with the Seahawks. I'd love to see him get a, a pass head, but I like his pass pro stuff is so critical and you know that's where um, I, I think he definitely was there was time i think when he was coming in where we didn't know like which of these transfers is going to be the one that shows out um and, and definitely obviously the 12 took the reins um you know cam davis i think you know as well though cam davis missed some missed some time yeah but yeah for sure yeah he was a real a real pleasant surprise i mean i, I love yeah. i mean he's a low three star you know with a lot of miles on the tire because he started mm-hmm. playing football in like 2016 for virginia um, right. but then came in and ran like 6.3 yards of carry, you know, it was just like, wow. So anyway, he ran out of eligibility. They also lose to the transfer portal, uh, Javion uh, Sunday. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, never really knew what to think about him. And then also Aaron DeMa, who, who, uh, uh, came in from New Mexico, uh, played a little bit in the spring game and then pr- promptly bounced. Okay. Um, they bring back Cameron Davis, who has been on the team for a while now. I've always sort of thought he was the best back that they had in the room, and I never really understood why he wasn't getting more play, although it was Jimmy Lake making those decisions. So, like, who knows, you know, mm-hmm. why Jimmy Lake would do anything that he did. They also uh, return Richard Newton, um, who, yeah. uh, you know, was getting this the third most carries of anybody last year, although I haven't seen him. I, I didn't see him in any of the spring practice reports, and he wasn't playing in the spring game. I, I saw reports that he was injured. Do you know what his status is? Yeah, I mean, Ellie Herman as well is injured, and same thing. I didn't see him in spring. And staying healthy has been, you know, he's kind of a bruiser, and staying healthy yeah. has been a concern for, for Newton. I guess we'll wait and see, you know, on that guy. And then there's Will Nixon, who's like described as a running back slash wide receiver. And I mean, they do throw him the ball occasionally, but like, I mean, he's been primarily used as a uh, as a running back. I sort of think that guy is a, he's sort of a backup you know, option more than, you know, anything else. There's a couple other, you know, backups in the room, but I, I think that the, you know, primarily they're, they're probably going to be leaning on the transfers that they brought in. Um, Dylan Johnson from Mississippi state and Daniel Nagata from Arizona state. 
um, you know, who both, you know, uh, Dylan Johnson was a borderline four star, got a, you know, was a four star, but he was behind Xavier Valade, um, at Arizona State, who's just had a phenomenal year last year. So his like numbers don't show it, but Nagata's a really good running back too. Um, like I, I can tell you just from watching the, the, he only got about 54 carries last year, but I watched those carries and I was like, damn, this guy on any other team, you know, if he was, wasn't behind X Valade, you know, he'd be like, us, you know, everybody would be loving this dude, you know, so it's like, I, I really feel, you know, I don't know what the status of Newton is, but like, I really feel between, you know, what I've already seen of Cam Davis and Nagata, and then, you know, knowing what I know about Johnson, just from a statistical perspective, yep. like, yeah, I think this running back room is pretty loaded. You know, I'm not really worried about the, 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 the run game, at least from a running back perspective. Uh, is that your take too? Yeah, I think it's fair. And there's uh, there's good depth there. Uh, that, that we like, and we've all, everyone in the Pac-12 has seen Daniel Nada and how he's played. Um, you know, and there are some, I think, younger guys, Tybo Rogers and others that people are excited about. We just don't know enough yeah. about Tybo Rogers is a true freshman. To be He early enrolled. We saw him a bit in the spring game. He looked fine. Right. You know, yeah. he, he looked playable as a true freshman if you got to reach down to a true freshman. I, I don't really think that that's going to be necessary, but like mm-hmm. in a pinch, I suppose. You got a prediction for who winds up being the number one back? Yeah, I think outside of injury, it'll be Cam Davis. I think he's the he's the primary. Yeah. Um, you know, end up may and, and I think may even take more carries than than even Wayne's percentage was last year, provided that mm. he stay healthy. But I think that's your number one. Uh, I mean, I've always, like I said, I've always liked him, you know, and I was sort of baffled why he wasn't getting more carried. I understand he sort of had a a bit of a fumble, you know, issue, but I don't know. I always sort of thought the fumbles were sort of like random lightning strikes. Yeah, he he just struck me as like the best combination of like power and speed that that uh, that Washington had. And it was sort of like baffling what the decision making process was. I think that Dylan Johnson could be pretty good, too. Like his numbers, you know, are pretty good. And he's playing against better defenses than any of the other guys were playing against. So it's sort of like degree of difficulty, you know, maybe you, you, you word them a couple extra points. I don't know. I, I think it actually might be, you know, pretty interesting room to watch. It's just that we didn't get to see either Dylan Johnson or Daniel Ngata in spring practices because right. they were they were hurt. So that's right. We'll have to keep an eye on it. Tight ends. As you mentioned, Jack Westover was injured, so we didn't get to see him in the spring game. I've always sort of, you know. I never really understood why why teams had a hard time covering Westover. It's not like he's super athletic or anything. I mean, he was a former walk on, um, but like you know, he's always open. I'm just like, why? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, sneaky runs, super crisp routes that people sort of lose track of him. I I I'd agree, but um, yeah, it's, he's you know from a walk on perspective, I think when he came on, didn't know. Uh, didn't have that level of expectation of him, but um, yeah, he's been he's been solid. Caden Jumper hit the portal. We never yeah. really saw him. He was a he came in in 2021. I don't think I really ever saw him on the field. I think that's the only departure. They brought in a new guy, Josh Cuevas from I think Cal Poly. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, saw him a little bit in the spring game. Two four seven thinks he's a really valuable transfer. I, I guess he looked like a you know sort of standard tight end to me. Is there something really exciting about him that you saw? Yeah, I think it's hard to tell. I think coming from a good numbers at Cal Poly, but I think it's just tough to tell coming from there. Sure. Um, he seemed a little, I don't know for what this is worth, but seemed a little smaller than I thought looking at his number. Yeah, that, that's uh, what jumped out at me too. Great minds, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but yeah, you know, at the same time, I think it, it's a new system. This may be the year in which he's getting used to things and this is a bank on the future. But between like Culp and Westover, I think you you, know, you feel good about what you, what you have there. So... I got to say, I 
I I already sort of intimated this earlier. You know, Westover sort of baffles me because, like I said, I I watch him and I'm sort of like, how does this guy keep getting open? He does not strike me as particularly athletic. I still think he's the best. I think they've been making rational decisions because he's the best tight end that they have. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of an indictment and I think a fair, you know, and proper indictment of Devin Culp and Quentin Moore, who I've been watching for years now. They're upperclassmen. They're both like borderline four stars. And like, like, I just, I'm not really very impressed with either of those guys. Like, I, I their film doesn't pop, and it should have popped by now. Do you think I'm being unfair to those guys? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think Colt gets a, maybe, I don't know if it's an unfair, but a bad rap, because he's had, um, the drops that he's had have been real in really bad timing, and in, in ways in which they just were remembered by media and the Washington fan base in a way that. I Man, I'm not really talking about the drops. I'm talking about, like, for example, his, you know yards per catch average is under 10 you know it's just kind of like it's not impressive yeah I, I, he probably has a little bit of work to do in the grow offense but from a, like a physical perspective like not only is he like he's you know six four pushing on 250 but um you know if you look at him in person he's definitely one of which has all the athletic skills to um you know to to be that guy and probably from it like an nfl perspective has all the numbers that you'd want but i think this year would be a year when he would really have to um he'd really have to jump off the page do you so. think do you think that happens this year? I don't know. I don't know if he gets enough touches. It's not like because the tight end isn't used this in this in the same way. Well, see, yeah. that's why I started out talking about like that's where I sort of felt was a missing piece to this offense. And like this offense isn't missing a lot, you know. Who's a fan? You know, great. You know, it's F plus ranking was through the roof, man. But like that, you know, to the extent that defenses were able to slow it down and keep it from putting as many points on the board as it could have, the way that they did it was, you know, keep it from scoring touchdowns in the red zone and the way that it would have been really great to score touchdowns in the red zone was throwing it to the tight end and I sort of feel like Devin Culp not being that great of a tight end is the reason why they weren't doing that so like I, I sort I man I'm telling you I feel like you know not to reduce it down to one question about one dude but if I had one question about one dude it would be does Devin Colt become a great tight end that they can throw passes to in the end zone because then this offense is unstoppable um yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, it would be. This is the year I think that where there is like, does he make that breakout year, even with the few opportunities that he's given, or fewer than in, we've used tight ends in the past? Um, but we'll have to see. I mean, I do think it's like it's him. It's him and Jack Westover. Um, yeah. And, and how much they're using? How like is Westover healthy in the fall? I hope so. He's been dinged up not only in the spring, but like he's missed time. Yeah, uh, throughout his career, and so you know, does I just—I mean, man, I, I gotta say, like, I, I always worry about him when I see him on the field because like he doesn't like he kind of gets when he goes to block, block, like seriously block, like a wham block where he's got to build up a head of steam. Like I worry about his health. Like he he yeah. takes a hit, and he's sort of like, oh my god, like his Lego pieces are gonna fall off. Like, um, hey, let me ask you a question about Ryan Otten. Yeah. Uh, I loved his brother Cade. Uh, Gaby would tease me about leaving, uh, loving him too much. I would. He came in as a four star last year as a true freshman, but he didn't see the field at all, which is somewhat unusual. Usually, guys that they sort of believe in for their future, you know, they'll put in for you know because they because they can play four games without losing their red shirt. But he didn't play at all. Was he injured or what? Was there? Yeah. I, I didn't hear that there was any injuries that kept him off. I would have thought that as well, like get him out there for a couple of the games, um, you know, even, you know, is it early on? Or garbage time or something, you know, just yeah, get his feet wet, you know? Right, it's, you know, Portland State or something. I, I, like, I, I don't know, but I mean, he's got all the 
tools from a size perspective and you know big like plus size blocker at least in his high school tape and i think could do you know could could do quite well but um there's obviously i mean with the name that he carries not only the physical size but look at the name he carries and, and sure. you know, being the brother there's the, of cave like there's a lot of expectations people want to see him do really well and take the reins you know because you're, you're going to lose what you're going to lose cole band westover next year well you uh, know it's really weird it's because i was watching the spring game and like I, like I, I, I didn't see him until the very, very, very end. I mean, it was literally not until ten minutes left in the in the broadcast that I finally saw, you know, Ryan Otten playing with with what I would characterize as the threes. You know, like the 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 walk on JUCO transfer Alex Johnson was, you know, threw him his first pass. Right, 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 yeah. Um, and I was like, man, what's the story here? Like, you know, and and that was remember Jack Westover wasn't playing. You know, like. Right. Um, I, I didn't, and, and there was another walk on Griffin Weiss, uh, who was getting catches during last season while, you know, Ryan Otten spent the whole year getting Gatorade. That's why I asked you if there was an injury and I, I sort of like, man, I, 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 it's way too early for me to say, oh, well, this could clearly a bust. Right. But like, uh, you know, that that's, that's a totally unfair and way too early, you know, thing to say, but like, man, I'm sort of getting some data points that are pointing that way. If you know what I mean, like it's kind of worrying. You might, yeah. I mean, you might be reading in, into it too much. Like there could have been things that kept him off the field in the first half of the year last year. I think the only like snaps he played was Colorado. Yeah, uh, I don't know how meaningful they, you know, they they were. Um, and the spring game stuff, I, like I don't know the other day. I, I take those all with a big grain of salt. Um, like they don't want to show a ton. Uh, you know, they're broadcast on TV. Um, there's a lot of players on there who I know that got more touches than I think they'll ever get. Oh um, yeah. No, I so, mean, they were playing like walk on cornerback yeah. and stuff like, but, the, but I mean, but, but that point sort of cuts against him. It's like, well, then why aren't you playing them earlier? You know, like, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. The things, the things that I do here out of the program, that there, there are high expectations of him moving forward, like why yeah. he was used a little, a, a little bit more and could have seen more time in some of the other games. Um, yeah. I don't, I, I don't know, but he's, I think he's got like, he has all the, uh, the physical traits that you want has the high school tape and we'll have to see. No, there's room next year is like next year there's room and that's i think you look at like who we should be looking at in a transfer portal we probably need another tight end yeah definitely well, yeah. I, I, I definitely think that's true all right let's talk about the wide receivers uh losing a few guys here uh taj davis uh hit the portal um so did junior alexander a couple of guys who got who are getting some backup reps uh camden sermon brendan holmes i think that's it for the departures yeah, that's it. Yeah, Taj was the, the one. Yeah, he's was, the significant one. I yeah, just, significant one. And going, and, you know, I'm going to Cal too, which is uh, was was pretty wild. It's just, I mean, now that's the new, you know, that's the world, right? That's the transfer world. You don't sit out yeah. and you end up with your rival the next the next year. But uh, I sort of thought he was. I mean, it was, you know, really the offense really just wanted to throw the ball to Adunze and McMillan, and it was kind of you know to me just as an analyst, not as an Oregon fan, it was sort of frustrating because it was like you know there's four good receivers on this team, you know it's Adunze, McMillan, Polk, and Davis, and I really felt like Polk and Davis should have been gotten getting the ball more, and then they go and play Oregon, they throw in the ball to Polk and Davis, and I'm like, well, I shouldn't have opened my mouth. Uh, <laughs> they return Odunze, McMillan, and Polk. Um, I kind I don't have any questions about those guys. You know, I think they're very good. Um, uh, I should think they'd be using Polk a little bit more, honestly. They also returned Giles Jackson, um, yeah. who I also think is pretty good um, and and was probably underutilized, you know, a little bit last year. They returned Denzel Boston, who was 
you know, uh, you know, he was a true freshman last year. So, you know, and, and the, and kept his red shirt you know, they only played him in four games. He had a pretty good spring game. So, you know, maybe uh, he gets, you know, sees the field a lot more now that, you know, he's a red shirt freshman. I did have a question about a, a, a returner who is officially on the roster, but I haven't seen the guy in a long time. Jabez Tine. I think he was in street clothes in the bowl game. I didn't see him in any of the spring practice reports or spring game. Is he still on the team? Yeah, he's still on the team. I mean, he's part of that um, that trio from Kennedy Catholic, um, uh, and the only one that I guess would be would be remaining. Actually, I think it's a quartet, right? Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Yeah, it's because Heward, Smalls, uh, Junior Alexander, and him. Yeah, no, Smalls. Uh, Smalls was uh, was Garfield. Um, yeah. yeah, but yeah, and uh, but yeah, he's one of the other other South schools. But he was from you know, and, and Kennedy Catholic, you know, smaller you know, um, you know, a smaller private school. And, and so they're playing a different level of competition, but yeah, he's one, I guess he's the only one left from that, that class. I mean, sure. That, that, maybe he's of, not left. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, that's right. He well, has not officially, uh, you know, has not, has definitely not, mm. not officially transferred, but um, yeah. And we, I ha we haven't seen him spring. Um, you know, I haven't seen him at the spring game and don't, don't really know anything else. Um, no, I think I, most of the I, chatter is really, and you might be getting to it, but it's all around Jeremy Bernard of like from a new, a new, yeah. yeah. The, yeah, the new person. That's where I love the chat. Yeah, yeah. And I just wanted to get to to get 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 all the returners down before I switch to the new guys. But I think that is all of the returners. Um, okay. You know, I, like I said, you know, the the the, you know, almost all of the balls were going to a Dunsey and McMillan, which like is understandable. Um, mm -hmm. And yet it was still, you know, kind of a small room. And I I sort of think it still is. Um, that as you say, they brought in you know one new dude into the portal. This is sort of a pattern that we're going to notice throughout you know the room when they lose. You know, they they get exactly the number of new portal guys as they, you know, lost in terms of major contributors. So they lose one major contributor in Taj Davis. They get one major new contributor or a guy who was a major contributor at his last school. And that's, you know, Jeremy Bernard, or I don't know how major he was, but he had a comparable number, you know, of, of, of uh, yards uh, as Davis did. You know, he looked, you know, he was playing with the twos in the spring game. He definitely looked playable. He definitely looked like a replacement for Taj Davis. You know, I, you know, I don't really have any questions about that guy either. You know, I think he just slots in the same into the rotation just fine. Or, or does, do you think he jumps up and, and is, you know, becomes the number three receiver? What do you think? I think he has a shot at, at three. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a huge Dylan Polk fan. I, I have been, I think he's got a great tool set, but Jeremy Bernard could be, could be that guy. I mean, I think what obviously makes him interesting is that he was on the team. You know, he had... Mm -hmm. And it started, and then, and then when you know when uh, you know, lost the wide receivers coach, you guys, he you know he bounced, went to Michigan State. We saw him here in person, um, and and then ultimately came back with what it's been a, just an exodus at Michigan State, who we're yeah. on the road this year, um, and so there's a lot of hype around him. Any anytime you guys probably see this too, it's like anytime when you lose a big local kid who that really hurts, you know, when they're lost from a recruit, uh, you know, a high school recruit, mm -hmm. you know. There's a chance you're going to get them back, right? There's a chance that you know they're going to, they're sure. going to transfer portal, and uh, and and there's a lot of fanfare around them. But I think it's got a lot. Of yeah, no. Out. Washington loves getting uh, local guys and getting local guys back. And uh, look, it, you know, Washington. As far as I'm concerned, Washington can fill up with as many, you know, Kennedy Catholic, O'Day, Eastside Catholic. You know, get as many King County four stars as you want. Like. Um, the uh I, I, that, I think we've lost we've unfortunately we've lost a lot of the big you know obviously like the big huge name five-star guys that we have not been able to keep which have been you know a bummer i mean jtt is the biggest one mm -hmm. we're kind of 
off topic here, but we've got a few of that. that yeah, have, the, the actual good ones leave. Um, the They brought I, in three. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I would say that. Like, I think we keep some of our, our, our really good in-state kids. I don't know about the top five-star guys that are going, you know, if they're, if Ohio State's coming and calling and is like a legit Ohio State wants them, they're going to be a starter. That's tough for us to compete with. But I don't know if I would say we're not getting any of the good local kids. I, I definitely agree it's tough for Washington to compete. They brought in three true freshmen in the wide receiver room, uh, Tayshawn Lyons, uh, Rashid Williams, and Keith Reynolds. None of those guys arrive until the fall, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, I don't really expect, I expect all of those guys to red shirt, right? Like they're, you know, the room is just so stacked yeah. with returning yeah. dudes. No real reason to expect those guys to, to, to really compete for playing time. I mean, Odunzi and McMillan are the best receivers, you know, in terms of like returning production in the conference. I mean, it's just like ridiculous. And then you add Polk and Jackson and Bernard and Boston. Like, you've got to be kidding me. Like this, I mean, this wide receiver room is just, I mean, it's just stacked. All right. Let's talk about the offensive line. Yeah. Returning both of the tackles, Troy Fountainew and Ro Roger Rosengarten, losing the three guys in the middle, uh, Jackson Kirkland, who had moved inside a little while ago, but I think is sort of more naturally a tackle, Corey Luciano, the center, and Hen Henry Bainavalu. Um, those guys had all been around for a long time. They they also lose a couple of guys who I, it was interesting that they lost these guys, uh, Miles Morau. Yeah. Um, who, who I think they had like high expectations for. And I actually yep. saw playing in the spring game. Uh, he's sort of a dedicated center type of guy. Um, but then he hit the portal after the spring game, Victor Kern, who had actually been playing for them um, for a while, but like not during 2022 hit the portal as well. And then uh, Owen Prentice appears to have retired. I think that's it for those departures. Those six did I miss anybody. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Morale was the surprise for me. Yeah. Uh, of those, but um, yeah, yeah, that's right. What I was seeing in the spring game playing with the ones was pretty much exactly what I expected of, uh, you know, Fountainew and Rosengarten retained their tackle spots. The uh, the new guards were Julius Bulow at left guard, Matteo Mele, um, who's been around for a long time. You know, I'd seen him um, playing a bunch of different spots earlier, you know, in like 2019, 2020 and 2021. Um, he was snapping the ball at center and then Nate Kalepo um, was playing at right guard. Those guys were exactly the guys that I was expecting and frankly I don't really have any questions about you know those guys they're going to be the new starters right there's no reason to expect anything different yeah no I mean I think um uh like Garen Hatchett will will push um but other than hmm. that you know, you know and I like said really excited it's Troy that's right Fautano he, he like on the right side I think I uh, and, and Roger Rosegar I feel really good about that side as well but yeah you're right that's that's pretty much the starting group I mean, I feel very confident about them retaining their jobs, certainly. Here's the interesting thing to me is the the second line. Interestingly, in terms of returners, they had exactly enough to have, they, they have exactly 10 returning dudes. So they had exactly enough to have five dudes for the ones and five dudes for the twos. The second line was from left to right, Robert Wersch, uh, guard Memlar, Perko Brailsford at center, uh, Garen Hatchett, um, I think is the younger brother Landon comes in as a as a freshman at right guard and then uh samuel peacock at right tackle but mm -hmm. here's what's um here's what's interesting about that um the three guards in the middle um uh, memelar uh brailsford and hatchet or actually to be more specific just memelar and hatchet are 
in my opinion, way farther ahead than everybody else. Wersh and Peacock, the the tackles are like low three stars, and I don't think are nearly as far along. Um, and Brailsford is redshirt freshman. Mm-hmm. And my suspicion is that if one of the um, starting tackles, Fountainew or Rosengarten, gets hurt, that what the way they're going to solve it is not by putting Wersh or Peacock in, like mm-hmm. straight in, but rather by moving one of these big guards. Because like Bulow and Kalepo yeah. are huge, right? They're like six, seven, six, eight, something like that. That what they'll do is move Bulow or Kalepo over to play tackle and then have Memelar or Hatchet, the backup guard, come in and, and fill his spot at guard. Do you think that is what they're going to do? Yeah, if I did guess, I would say, because there, there definitely is that, like that's the right separation. Uh, of Hatchet's next man up, and, yeah. and Memelar is probably a one B. But I think there's even yeah. some, there's difference between those two, and then there's a there's a gap. There's definitely a gap at that point. So Do I think you think I'll move people around to get those two on the on the field? And then, sort of same question: What happens if Melee is not available? Okay. Is Bulo or Kalepo capable of snapping the ball? Yeah, you, you, Julius Well could be, and he has taken some. So he, he could, he could, he could definitely pop in. I don't know about Kalepo. I don't know if Nate did. I don't even think he did in high school. Yeah, that's who it would have to, for sure. Well, but, I mean, the alternative would be to put in uh, Brailsford because I saw him snapping the ball with the twos in the spring game. But like I said, he's a redshirt freshman. I don't know if they want to do that. You know, that's if true. if Bueller or Kleppo are capable of snapping the ball, then it's a probably a, a better solution to have that guy snap the ball. And then, as you know, as we said, put, you know, put in hatchet for, for that guy. Um I don't know. I guess we'll just keep our eye on it. And then they brought in five true freshmen, but like they're going to redshirt. You know, there's no reason. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah, that's clean enough. Uh, Let's flip over and talk about the defense. Defensive tackles. Not not really losing anybody significant here, I don't think. The two guys hit the portal, uh, Cal Pejopa and C.O.C. Finau. Finau uh, hit the portal, I think, after the spring game. We saw him a little bit, but it was pretty he was like playing with the threes and I don't really think I saw him playing um, during the uh, season last year. So I don't really think either of those are particularly significant losses, but in terms of the tackles, yeah, I really just see two, you know, those two losses, but then bringing back everybody, you know, who played uh, most significantly Tuli Lutuli and Gasanoa, who I think is really good. I'm, I'm a little less wild about everybody else, but like, Hey, they've got them all on this Javon Parker. Uh, I think, uh, I think his younger brother, Armin Parker, Twins. Twins, really? Yeah, yeah, they're twins. Huh. Yep. That's yep. interesting. I saw I saw a, a guy who I think is a walk-on, Bradley McGannon, uh played a little bit during the regular season. I saw him in the spring game. Uh Tuatele, uh over him. Yeah, I did, uh, accidentally skipped over him, number 99. Yeah, there's one sort of interesting character here, which is Voitu Nufi, mm-hmm. who's he's smaller than everybody else he's like 250 pounds whereas everybody else is over 300 and the way they use him is sometimes they line him up on the end but on other downs like third like third downs they'll move him inside um to to sort of be their you know inside guy but but you know, on third and long where they, you know, the, the, the offense is not going to run the ball. So like he's a tackle, but he's not, you know, sort of, he's a, you know, he, he does both, but they're bringing him back too. And then the question that I had, I really don't have any questions about these guys except for one, which is Ulumu Ale, um, the converted offensive lineman. Yep. 
He played a bit last year. I think he was still sort of learning the position, to be perfectly honest, like his technical, like his footwork stuff and hand placement stuff. I had some problems with. He, he actually didn't grade out that great for me. But what, whatever, he was still learning the position. I understood that. And I was sort of looking forward to him maybe getting a little better this year. But then I didn't see him at all in the spring game. And I didn't see any explanation for that that I could find in the media. Do you know what's going on there at all? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't have any information on, on an injury, but he, he is your third. For sure. I mean, it's, you know, Tuli one, Fatui Tutele second, and MJ right now is, is your third option there. Um, I mean, I've never really liked Jacob Bondas, so I would buy that, but I wanted to see technical progress out of Ale because he's a convert, and I haven't been able to observe that because I didn't get to watch him, so I'm sort of like scratching my head a little bit, and I did think I was seeing some fatigue issues, like when they played UCLA last year. I definitely think that there, I mean, I wrote this up as part of in my article. Um, I definitely think a big component to why um, Washington didn't wound, wind up pulling off the comeback that they were, because, you know, they were, they were trying to pull a comeback off, Yeah, sure. but UCLA kind of kept them at arm's length with use with their run game. which Chip Kelly definitely knows how to use a run game in order to keep an opponent at arm's length once he's got a lead. The reason he was able to do that was attacking them up the middle. And the reason he was able to do that was that they really, you know, Washington was just like Thule's good, but he can't play every down. And they just weren't able to rotate that. You know, I just really didn't feel like they, 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 they trusted guys who weren't named Thule or Tuatele because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't really like Bondis and I didn't think that Ali had gotten his tech, you know, down yet. And I want, you know, that's why I was sort of like, I want to see Ali come online, but then I couldn't. So I'm, what's going on here? Do you know what I'm, I'm sort of, yeah, he, he, you like, understand my distress here. Yeah, like the rest of the defense, he played better in the last third of the season or the last half versus the first half. And, you know, I, I thought, I mean, I don't know what this is saying, but like Cal was probably his best game. He had a couple of big plays. Yeah, many Burke. teams played their best game against Cal. Uh, yeah, yeah, last year they did. But, you know, I mean, shoot, Cal still, like, we shouldn't have, that game shouldn't have been that close. And we, and and I thought he had, um, you know, he had a couple of big plays. I think a huge tap of the last against like Oregon State. He, like, that was his, maybe he showed out a little more there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's, you know, there's distance between uh, Tuli and Fatuitele and, and MJ. Um, for sure, yeah. but they need a third, you know, and that, that could they be. They need more uh, than three. I mean, yeah, that, it's, that a, it's a two happen. down defense. They needed four. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. You need, well, yeah, you need, I mean, you need, to, you need some, you need some depth there for sure. And it can be, I don't know. Um, I think like Javon Parker, look at of the two twins, he's been more healthy and more ready. Uh-huh. Um, and, and Bandis, like tons of potential. Like that, that, you know, we, I thought I've been hearing tons of potential for four years about Bondus. I don't know if I mind that. Sometimes you have guys that have potential for four or five years, but you know, I, like, I think a lot of these guys, I I can't help but think back of what we thought that they were going to turn into when they were recruits, et cetera. And and for whatever reason, sometimes it just doesn't happen. So I don't, I don't know, but yeah, we need depth there. Like we, we definitely need depth. Let's talk about the end. Yeah. Losing Jeremiah Martin. Yep. I believe he wound up with the Browns. Browns, yep. Losing Savelle Smalls. Called that one. You. That's right. <laughs> Kennedy Catholic, man. Yeah. Yep. 
but bringing back uh i think that martin's is a significant loss i was actually surprised he wasn't drafted to be honest he, he signed a, a udfa uh, yep. i believe uh, i thought that martin was really good his havoc stats are like through the roof man but bringing back uh braylon trice who i really like bring back zion tupuola fatui who had that really fantastic 2020 season um mm-hmm. and then has sort of struggled with injuries i think washington fans like him more than i do uh simply because he had that phenomenal 2020 season and like the glows never worn off for y'all but whatever like he's you know he's certainly you know if nothing else he's he's uh, you know replacement value I'm, I'm trying to like take you know say he's terrible or anything but like a good guy to have you know my question is like going beyond those two you know what else has washington got at this position now that they've given up you know martin and smalls mm-hmm. yeah yeah trice is the clear leader um I, i'm sure. probably a little higher on ztf than you are I, I don't think that those 2020 numbers can ever be replicated there's a lot of weird reasons of, about yeah him sure time. but i do think he's um he's a strong number two behind trice and that's what you've got you've got lined up i feel fine uh walking those guys out there i think it's probably going to be um, i mean there's a lot of excitement about guys that i just don't even know lance holdclaw a few others like even the kids i didn't get to see him in the spring i think he was being he was like had an injury or something yeah uh he didn't play in the spring the spring game but he, he uh he, he did play in like in spring mm-hmm. practice and, and i think had had uh you know and, and looked decent uh, i think it'll probably be void my this is my guess i have no insider information but i think void Tanufi. um you know like that that's ultimately yeah, yeah, yeah. who it might be as your as your uh your third yeah again he's interesting because sometimes you see him playing inside and sometimes right. you see him playing yeah. outside it sort of depends on what the down is that'll be interesting because uh yeah it'll be like i said you know he hasn't been a dedicated edge before but his body well the thing is he's six one and like everybody else in this room is like six four six five and has mm-hmm. those like long you know they got levers you know like that's what you got you got to have levers you know to play off the edge and he's he's really just built more like uh like uh, a an undersized tackle than he is uh an end so you know i'm i will be interested to see if he does that my question has been about maurice himes i really thought that he would have had a bigger year last year and then he didn't do you think i was nuts for thinking that he was gonna have a big year like what he only played in seven games was there an injury what can you tell me about himes yeah, I, I, Morris wasn't someone that I had last year as as someone. I think um, you know some of the kids that come from you know that are uh, uh, you know, from I think from Germany and and came over and has a lot of like there's a lot to like about him physically. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, because he's huge. I mean, he's like six five. I mean, he's enormous. Yeah. He's like a basketball player. He's yeah, 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 totally. And I think he played. You know, I think he, he had a played a handful of downs. And I think half the games last year. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It was, but it wasn't someone I I, I had as big expectations from from last year. Um, I was really surprised by that. So Holtzclaw, I mean, that's interesting because he, I mean, he was a, a true freshman last year, so I didn't get to see any film on him, and I didn't see him in the spring game. So I, I got to take that one on faith. And then they didn't take anybody out of the portal from FBS, but they did take um, a Division two guy, Zach yep. Durfee, Durfee from um, who uh, you know he played in the spring game. He had a couple of you know fun plays. So I guess we'll keep our you know eye on him. I I am sort of surprised, you know, given this is one of the exceptions, the, the principle that I stated a second ago where they lose a significant contributor and then they get exactly as many that you know that many guys out of the the portal it's was violated in this room unless they really believe in Durfee do you think they really believe in Durfee 
I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's one that's back to the Dakota days from coach and using the connections they had there with enough inside knowledge mm-hmm. to feel like he understands what he's getting with Durfee. You know, Smalls is a, is a tough one because he's that local. I mean, I was talking player. about Martin, not Smalls. But Oh, you're, okay. I thought you were talking about the trans, uh, transfer portals in versus transfer portals out. Yeah, no. I know. Oh. I just meant general departures. Yeah, general departures. No, no. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a reason that even that Martin got a UDFA from, from the Browns. You know, I mean, I think he's a, a, known, a known commodity and, and one of the kids that came out of A&M and, and found his home uh, somewhere else, which is great. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, you're taking, you're taking this one on faith that – that that coach knows through those South Dakota connections. I just mean like, it seemed like almost robotic, like, I don't know. I mean that in a bad way that like they're replacing lost production with portal production, you know, like we lost, you know, 41 tackles from Martin. So we need to get 41 tackles out of the portal, you know, from somebody else. And they didn't do that in this unit. Um, The only, unless they believe that Durfee is going to do that for them. Oh, I, I, don't I don't know. Believes they're getting yeah forty tackles out of Derby this year. Well, see, uh, then that's weird because it seems like you know then then there's not enough depth here, you know, because like because it's just Trice and ZTF, you know, and then betting that somebody is going to step up. Yeah, no, I I, w- I would agree with you that it's a position area that I think is thin. I I really like our two guys there, and I think that that Tanufi could you know some technique come in and be that third, but it's still thin. It's a thin area. There's a handful of, of position areas that with the with the with an injury uh, really yeah. worry me, and this is one of them. Yeah, I, I that's where I was going with this. Is not so much that I doubted the the top two guys, just like we're you know hold on, you know every other position they've replaced depth loss with depth you know gain to right. to maintain their numbers, and that it was violated in that position i was like what's going on okay linebackers so losing cam bright that's the significant one losing a bunch of other guys that are not particularly significant daniel Hemuli, ruparaki fuvafi styles siva demario king i don't really think any of those guys are significant i mean Hemuli should have been significant but he never was uh, but cam bright was basically a starter last year i think he signed a udfa with the the seahawks per the principle just articulated they brought in a replacement for him who is Raylan go forth yep from usc i gotta tell you i watched his film for his entire time at usc and i don't think it's as good as cam brights i'm not real wild about that exchange however they bring back two guys al tupatala and carson bruner i sort of expect those two to be the starters and go forth to be the backup do you think i'm reading that right um you know i i think eddie lofoscio um Oh, that's right. Is he coming back? Is like, yeah. he, is he, I mean, yeah, the full health, I mean, I mean, yeah. he's on the team. Yeah, he's back. Everything I hear is that he'll be healthy by the fall and at full, and at full strength. And so I think you've got like, it's, you know, the two of those three between Eddie, um, Alfonso Tupatala and, and Carson Bruner. And then they have another, like, uh, I actually think he's still a walk-on, Drew Fowler. He should have been given a scholarship by now, but, like, um, but that's another depth piece that, you know, they've had him for a long time, and, you know, they seem to trust Mm -hmm. him. Um, You know, so, you know, I think that they, I believe they will have, what's that, five playable guys for two spots on the field. You know, that's probably adequate. Mm -hmm. It's just that, like, oh boy, I tell you, I haven't watched him go for his film for a long time. I don't really think he's very good. I think that Fowler's sort of a, a walk-on for a reason. I, I'll i believe that Ulufoshio is healthy when I see it, because I think this is like two straight years now, isn't it? 
Yeah, where he's, where he's missed time and missed uh, significant last significant year. time with injury. Um, so that's, I mean, I'm not, I'm not rooting for it or anything. I'm not a monster, but like he's TBD until I see it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I like the having the three of those. I think two of them could show. I really hope it's Eddie. I mean, Eddie's um, not only. I mean, he's obviously he's had he's had some incredible moments, but uh, his story is incredible. I mean, he's such just an amazing, bright uh, kid. Anyone has had a chance. Sure. And they want to want him to do really well. Fowler, if you know, if you were to tell me pick one walk on and that that could end up um, being a significant contributor, probably point to Drew Fowler and and go forth. You know, I I, I have not watched enough USC film mm-hmm. on him. I didn't expect him to come in and, and start. Well, Washington play USC re- in recent years. Sort of like ducked them. I, I uh, I'm looking forward to that game. Frankly, like two really high powered offenses playing each other should be fun. I'll be there. Um, in I'm looking forward to it. Kind of last last time at the Coliseum for who knows decades. I have no idea. So. Okay, the Husky position, um, yeah. which is like total coincidence uh, that it's called That's that. I actually did some research, tried to figure out why it's called that position, and it dates back like 12 different teams before this one, and no one really knows why it's called that, but whatever. It's sort of the the hybrid nickel slash uh, linebacker position. For Washington, they converted a bunch of existing like safeties to the position, which is interesting because the way that Fresno did it um, was they converted linebackers to the position. So mm-hmm. these guys are like a little skinnier than Fresno's version of the Husky. No pun intended. They bring back all three guys that I saw playing the position last year, Dominique Campton, Cameron Fabiculanen, and Dyson McCutcheon. I don't really have any questions about the guys who played the position. I mean, you know what they're doing in the position. There is one thing that I saw that was a little interesting in the spring game, which is that Dominique Campton, who was like the, you know, I would probably describe as the the primary of the two of them um, bet- between him and Fabiculanen, although it was that's close. I mean, it was, well, you know, 1A, 1B, um, seemed to be playing more of a deep safety role um, in the spring game. Uh, is that is that like kind of a position change or or was there something going on there? Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think it is. I mean, I think you're going to have um, Mish Powell at, at Husky this year. Uh huh. Yeah, Mish. I was going. That was going to be the next question that I asked you. Yeah, and then Dom, uh, and then Dom moving over to, to safety. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's pretty much what I was seeing in the spring game. So you answered my question. Now let's talk about DBs. So yeah, Michelle Powell, who was a cornerback last year, starting cornerback, but not very good at the position, moving over to Husky. Okay. uh, I I believe that. Davon Banks was the other uh, starting corner, also not very good at the position. A walk-on. Did not see him in the spring game. Have not been able to find any commentary about why he wasn't playing in the spring game. Is he still on the team? Yeah, I, I don't have any other information about him, but yeah, okay. speculation. the guys who I was seeing playing corner, like actual true outside cornerback were uh, Elijah Jackson, who played a little bit last year. I was seeing the portal transfer in Jabbar Muhammad, who I yep. think they really believe in um, from yep. Oklahoma State. They got another transfer after the spring game, Darren Barkins. I was seeing a couple other returners in the spring game later on with the twos, uh, Javion Green and Jackson Berman, um, although I think Berman's a, a walk-on, um, but he was playing a lot. I saw Juco, who just came in, Thaddeus Dixon, playing with the twos. Oh, I, I, I should have mentioned, in addition to losing Powell to the Husky position and Banks, I don't know what his status is. They also lose Jordan Perryman. Um, I think he just ran out of eligibility. He did. A, he's a uh, UDFA with Raiders. 
Oh, did he? I didn't see that one. Okay. That is surprising to me because I didn't think he was very good. I didn't think any of the cornerbacks for Washington last year were very good. I didn't think that Washington had a very good defensive backroom at all. I think that, you know, there was a reason why Washington's defense in uh, F plus came in at number 70 and that it primarily had to do with the fact that Jimmy Lake, you know, left them just a real untalented uh, defensive back unit in particular, you know, cornerback just really left him in the lurch, which is crazy because he's the former DBs coach and he just did, like didn't recruit any cornerbacks was insane they went from like the two best cornerbacks in the in the league arguably the two best in the country you know who go in like the first round to the nfl and then they just go to a bunch of like walk-ons um i mean, it was just bonkers so anyway you know obviously this staff goes you know hard at trying to correct that they go and get you know muhammad um who's a very accomplished cornerback they get several other transfers and they go and recruit hard they you know i don't think these guys are going to figure into it because they're true freshmen but they go and get four-star caleb presley they get yep. four-star curly uh, read they get a high three-star Leroy Bryant you know like it was very clear that the staff knew they had their work cut out for them yeah. in repairing the Jimmy Lake damage you know to the cornerback room and so the instant you told me oh yeah Michelle Powell is switching positions I was like oh yeah I believe it <laughs> you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah it was tough I mean I think it's a group last year that I don't know I don't think they would have been uh, they would have struggled even if they were healthy yeah, and, and then couldn't keep anyone healthy. And so yeah, that up. is also definitely true. Yeah, and, the and definitely like, unfortunate. I'm looking up numbers trying to figure out like who who is out there. What are we doing? Yeah, uh, and yeah, I mean, sure, there's a reason they were what it was 100, 110th. Um, you know, uh, it was frustrating to watch. I think they made mild improvements, and in, in my opinion, that they looked better in the last third of the season. Um, but still, it was the weakness of the team. Even even if they looked better in the, in the final third of the season. First, first two, but it was it was tough. It was sure tough to watch for sure. So, would your prediction for the two starting cornerbacks then be Elijah Jackson and Jabbar Muhammad? No, actually, I think it's well. Yeah, no, excuse me, Muhammad. Yeah, I, I think it's I'm between Jackson and, and Dixon. Um, you know, if I had to bet, I, I think it might be Thaddeus Dixon, and that was one where like I weren't there weren't a lot of other. That's surprising because uh, I didn't see Dixon playing in the spring game until the twos came out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he he figured a lot more in spring practice, and and I, I think from everything I've heard, there's there's a lot of faith around him. I think it's between Jackson and Dixon, and maybe okay. between the two, that would that would be it. But I think I think that's who you have, and then you've got, you know. But at any rate, those three guys would form your two starters and primary backup. That's right. Yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah. All right. Uh, safeties losing Alex Cook. Yep. Also, Julius Irvin, who uh, had played significantly in the past, but then I think was pretty significantly injured and now has medically retired. Yep. And uh, Cameron Williams transferred out. That was another guy who, you know, uh, really high expectations for then just didn't play that much. I think those are the four departures from the room. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Alex Alex Cook ended up on the Giants. Uh, yeah, right. Which is super cool for him. He's, I think, he, you know, there's a reason he wasn't drafted, uh, but he, he was captain, uh, leader. So it's, it's cool to see that. They bring back uh, Asa Turner, um, who's, God, feel, feels like that guy's been on the team forever. Um, yeah. And then some guys who didn't play that much last year. And I'm sort of having a hard time figuring out how to, who the other guy is going to be. Mikel Estine um, mm-hmm. and and Tristan Dunn were the two guys that I was seeing the most in the spring game. They bring back a walk-on, uh, Sean Toomey-Stout, who actually got you know a lot 
more reps than uh, Tristan Dunn did last year, but but Tristan Dunn was a tr- true freshman, so that's understandable. They bring back Vincent Nunley, who I know they had some high expectations for, but he didn't really play last year, even though you know he was a redshirt freshman last year. Actually, let me pause and ask you a question. What was the story of Vincent Nunley? Do you know what know why that was? Yeah, I don't I don't I don't have any other information, but yeah, I'd agree with mm-hmm. your, your sentiment. They, and then they also bring in two true freshmen, um, uh, uh, one of whom was pretty highly rated, uh, you know, a low four star Vincent Holmes, although I don't think he arrives until the fall. It's actually a small and inexperienced enough room that I would think that Holmes might figure into the mix, even though he's a true freshman and a fall enrollee. How do you think this plays? I mean, obviously, Asa Turner has a job. Yep. Who do you think gets the other job? Who do you think the primary backups are? Yeah, I mean, I think it's Asa and, and Dom. You know, are the two and Dom converting over? Oh, you told me that already. Fabikulanen is is switching no, no. over to this room. Oh, Dom Hampton, Hampton. Yeah. Oh, Hampton. yeah, yeah, yeah. Dom Hampton. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he, yeah, he would be the uh, the other one, and, and I, I do think you're behind that. It's probably Tristan Dunn and Mikel Esteem. You know, are there are the okay. next two. Uh, though, oh, well, okay, then problem solved. Yeah, you told me this already. How did I forget? Right. Okay. Three minutes ago, you told me the answer to this. <laughs> thing. Yeah, that's okay. yep. All right, yep. well, that's that's pretty clean then. Okay, so then Estine you know, and Dunn as the backups. All right, you know, that solves that pretty well. Okay, man, the schedule's a little harder than it was last year. Actually, I think that Washington kind of lucked out with a fairly easy schedule last year. MSU wasn't nearly as tough as they uh as they figured to be, uh, you know, they miss Utah and USC, you know, out of the South, they get both of those teams this year, although they, they miss UCLA. What do you think about how they're going to perform? Yeah, uh, fair. It's definitely going to be a, a, a tougher schedule this year. Um, you, I mean, you can, you can potentially make a case for this being like Michigan state home last year is going to be harder than Michigan state road this year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that team's just completely imploded. Yeah. Which is, I, it's just, it's, it's just tough to, tough to see, um, you know, but um, you know, and, and our other games like, look, you know, uh, Boise state opener um, at, at home. And this isn't the Boise state of old, but it's, team that you know you, you still need to show up and play this isn't portland state and then you know the in er, the early part of the season it's really wild you've got you got cal in arizona we play oregon a little earlier than we they normally would october 14th i feel like i'm used to playing you guys close i mean i'm now. fully expecting washington to be five and oh going into that game because they have the you know and, and they have the buy going into it yeah yeah i i think that's fair they they they, sh- they should be you know i mean the, like you hope that the quote-unquote desert dogs don't show up um mm. you know on the 30th last year we did it again you know lost at arizona state um which is super super frustrating and and you know you hate to see you don't want that i think we'll be a favorite in that game but i just never um am putting money on uh the, the desert dogs to go out and cover spread the one win so yeah, they should be. Uh, they should be five and zero. And then like the big revenge game, hosting Arizona State at home. And I think that you know the expectations for Arizona State this year I think are, are lower than in years past. On the road to Stanford, and like at I at Stanford has given us fits too. Like we mm-hmm. go down there. I don't know if it's the grass or the fact that there aren't any humans in the stands, and it's it's weird. I don't know if you've ever gone to a game there, but it is weird. Like you have to make your own energy. And it's the crazy thing is, it's such a wonderful stadium, but then yeah. it's empty. It's yeah, totally, it's, it's right. It's and it's small. They should build a fill-up thing. It's like great sight lines and everything with the natural grass. You know, the one we're um, all traveling to is is Washington at USC. I think that's going to be that's a massive one. I mean, obviously, like USC is day one has the talent we don't, we don't have. Like they they're, they're loaded with talent and what, and what they're coming back to. And you know uh, that that one's going to be incredible. I think there's a chance that 
you know, Oregon and, and Washington don't play USC for that little, a decade or two or three. Like there is, mm-hmm. and unless things happen within conference realignment, there's no reason for UCLA and USC to schedule uh, any of their former uh, Pac-10 opponents, which is so frustrating. Um, I go off on that forever. And then we host Utah, tough game, right? I mean, Utah's, you know, we saw that every year you think they're going to be down. They have a great year and they bring back a lot of great pieces. We've played a lot better against them at home over the years. And then at, at Oregon State, and I think this is like, I, I believe this is going to be an up year uh, for, for Oregon State. We saw what they did in the latter half of last year as well. And that was a hard out for us last year. And, and then the Apple Cup at home. Um, and, and I think uh, I think Wazoo takes a little bit of a step back this year. But, you know, look, you got a lot of those games in there that are, you know, even equaling the win total from last year is going to be tough. There's, there's just, I think there's just a lot of really great teams up on the schedule between SC, Oregon, Oregon State, um, you know, Utah. There's a lot of great teams on that schedule. It's going to be tough. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, one of our fan bases is going to be very, very, very sad after October 14th. <laughs> <laughs> it will be. I mean, it's a good travel game. And I think it's you, you like it when there are years in which it should be two highly ranked teams coming, uh, you know, coming together for a very high stakes environment that, mm-hmm. you know, could have game day. Um, that's what you want. Like that's what, that's what this, that's when this rivalry is at its, uh, is, is at its best. Yeah. And unfortunately it's a rare occurrence. So it's honestly nice that both teams are not, you know, uh, pack 12 bottom dwellers actually at the top. So whew, I'm going back up. I haven't been, uh, I haven't seen the ducks play in Seattle since Braxton Burmeister led our team. <laughs> so yeah, it'll be yeah, nice. Yeah. We're talking about dating yourself, yeah. I mean, and there, you know, look, it's a good. You, there, the the games in Seattle are interesting because you've got obviously there's there's a big Oregon um, alumni population and fan base here, and so they're going to show out, right? I mean, they're they're always a big there's always a big contingency, and, and frankly, like in most of the away games that we play, like there's a bunch of Arizona, you know, there's a bunch of Arizona State alums mm-hmm. that live here, there's a bunch of USC and UCLA alums here, but Oregon in particular does. Uh, put a lot of a lot of uh, fans in the seats at, at Husky Stadium. So loud, raucous environment. Um, I hope it's great coverage, good national coverage, and that both the, you know both the teams are are in good shape going into it. Well, speaking of great coverage, fans, get yourself over to the Dog Pod. Subscribe to them right now. Give them five stars on Apple Podcasts. Give them whatever you give on Spotify. Just it really is a very good. Pac-12 podcast that occasionally makes me want to punch through a wall because they actually get a good singer on Oregon, but Uh, it it really is a good listen. That's good. We try not to be too big of homers, and uh, we've been at it, I think, longer than any other Washington podcast. We're coming into year 11 or 12 at this this point. Um, and you know, it's just, we're, we're not trying to outsmart anyone. It's just a group of fans that love talking about the team and, uh, and, and enjoying it, trying to do it the right way, but appreciate you guys having, uh, having me on and be able to talk about this game and, uh, you know, go dogs, man. We're going to see you guys in October in Husky stadium. That's going to be not. Yeah, no, I got to say every time, you know, if the ducks are up, uh, you, I have heard you guys say, yep, Oregon's pretty good. God damn it. Something like that, you know, like, <laughs> but you're admitting it or, oh, good. The ducks suck. This is wonderful. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we always, we always enjoy each other's peril, but I've always been one where like when you guys have had the, like, you know, the, you know, down things and where it's what, where it's like Willie Taggart or whoever. I always said like any Husky fans would tell me, oh, it's, this is back to the old guys. Like, nope, no, it's not. They're going to be back. Like this team recruits too well has like all of the things that you need from a facilities perspective and a brand perspective that 
as over time when the players that you're trying to recruit right now were growing up watching the game. Like even when there's down there's down years, you know these are going to be teams that um, that come together. And I, I hope that you know in, in terms of whatever happens with this whole conference realignment thing, um, that you know, and we're both in similar boats where we've got crazy politicians trying to wet us to the state school and a bunch of weird stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just have learned my lesson of like enjoy every season, uh, enjoy it in the right way because we don't know what's going to happen. Absolutely. Uh, this conference may die, but uh, Oregon, Washington is forever. <laughs> that's right. That's, yeah, that's that, that. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, you hope that no matter no matter what happens, we end up in a spot where, boy, at least let's, you know, let's get some non-con games or something to keep this thing going for sure. Absolutely. I'd be down with some like 1890 scheduling of, yeah, we play Oregon State twice. We play the Huskies and uh, I don't know, uh, a Pacific Northwest College. or yeah. Oh, my gosh. I just I think we're both in the same boat where, you know, could we just get a, some good Pac-12 news for once? Like, <laughs> something to come out, you know, I mean, it's not. Nice. Yeah. The, you know, the, the stuff from Wazoo that came out, uh, you know, uh, yesterday. But like, it's just absurd. Let's get some good news coming. From yeah. Somewhere. The ghost of Larry Scott is still somehow oh, haunting us. Yeah, we'll always be there, man. We'll always be there. <laughs> and uh, Hithliday, thanks again for joining us with your roster uh, knowledge here. Always a pleasure. Uh, yeah, it was fun. It was a good time, DBT. Thanks, gentlemen. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, see y'all next week. Quack, quack, and go. Uh, no, no, I can't do it. You can do it. Go, dogs. It feels good. There, there you go. You said for the both of us. We'll see y'all next week. Bye. It.